Today's scripture reading will be from Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to be with you all. This is our last week before our summer break. I know, sad. It is. It is sad. Uh, But we will be continuing to have church. I know some churches closed down. That was always a bit shocking to me when I first came here from the States. Uh, but we don't believe in that. We like to keep keep church going. But uh, we'll just be at one service in the morning at 10 a.m., So you're welcome to continue joining us for worship together uh, as the whole church. It's a cool thing. Kind of be united all together, which will be our topic today. Unity within the church. Now, this means that we'll be finishing off our mini-series looking at the Psalms of Ascent. And for those of you just joining us, either here or maybe you stumbled upon this online, as I said last week, could be even years down the road from now, Let me just explain briefly again what the Psalms of Ascent are. If you maybe you've stumbled across that across that in your Bible, saw this little title at the top, Psalms of Ascent, didn't really know what it meant. Just briefly, what the Songs of Ascent are, this is a group of songs that's like like a type of hymn book, if you will, uh, written and then later put together. So there's a few different authors later put together for really the purpose, if we kind of boil it down, really for amping people up, kind of getting people excited, getting people prepared in their hearts for worship, for worshiping God together. There was, during these special times of the year, the people of, would travel from all around to Jerusalem to worship. And these were for festivals, things like uh, Pentecost and Passover. And during these times, they would be gathering together with friends and family and celebrating together and worshiping God and glorifying Him in His house in obedience to Him. But also, like I said last week, it was something that was exciting. They, they looked forward to these times of the year uh, throughout, yeah, throughout their daily and weekly and monthly schedules. These were just awesome times to get together and be in fellowship with one another. And as they made their way on these journeys, <clears throat> sorry, whew, it's a bit hot in here. I'm losing my voice already. As they would make their way on these journeys together, they would be kind of heading through the mountains, steadily upward toward Jerusalem, which was at a higher elevation than most of the surrounding area. And they'd be singing these songs together, and that kind of heading up geographically. It's kind of where you get the idea of songs of ascension heading upward but also, of course, spiritually, heading up to God's house to worship Him, to connect with Him. And as they'd sing, they would be preparing their hearts for worship and preparing their hearts for just coming together in community, fellowship as believers, as followers of God, and coming before the Lord in His house. And the Songs of Ascent are from Psalm 120 to 134. We've only looked at three of them in this series, so I do encourage you again 
to read through them all. And if you do, as you're reading through them, you'll kind of get this feeling of a pilgrimage, of a journey, with images ranging from anticipation for worshiping together, coming together as His people, which we really see uh, prevalent in the one we're looking at today, and leading to images of, of calling and our continual service to the Lord, especially the service of the priest. And there's a lot of cool images of like just this whole journey, this whole experience that they would have in these times of the year. Now today we have another song of ascent written by David. As we saw it last week, he wrote uh, at least four are attributed to David. And this is the last of those. And it's actually the second to last song of ascent altogether. Now, this song has a very simple message. So we're not going to, and let me just be clear, we're not going to be getting into some really deep, complicated doctrines today. We're not going to, this isn't a really hard-hitting message, but it is a very important one. It is a simple truth that we can often forget and something that's so vital to our lives, to our church, to our communities, and a part of what God's plan is. And so what is that message? The simple message of this song is unity, unity, and that unity, especially amongst God's people, is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a precious thing. It's something to notice and something to be excited about. Now, we can guess that this song might have been written as David was finally crowned king, right? There was this time of division for the people that had lasted for years, and it had finally come to an end. Finally, there was resolution, and finally there was unity amongst the people. After conflicts and corruption, times of war and division of all sorts, the people of Israel were finally united. And what united them? They were united under the gracious and godly rule of King David. They were united under a king. Now, as we go through this song the message for us today is going to be this simple message, as I mentioned. It's not, we're not getting into anything really overly complicated, but don't miss it. Don't check out. It's an important truth. And as we're heading into our summer break, as I mentioned, we're still one church. There's still going to be a, a service in the mornings. We still want to hold to this great truth that our unity as God's people is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a part of God's plan. And as we are united as his people, we are united today under the rule, the gracious and godly and powerful rule of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's the message today. Let's look at verse 1. Let's look at where it begins. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, and we, that word brothers, we could really look at that as when the people of God, when the people of God dwell in unity. In fact, some translations do translate it that way. Now, you might notice we're using the ESV today. Normally, we use the NIV. Personally, I read the ESV more often than the NIV, but I think both are good translations. But for some reason, the, ES, or the, the NIV leaves out this first word, behold. And I really like it. I like that word, behold, and that's why we're looking at the ESV today, because... It's in the original text, and for some reason they left it out of the NIV. So this word, behold, is meant to grab our attention. Behold, it's like an explanation point. Behold, it means, hey, take a look. Open your eyes. Pay attention. Become aware of something that's happening right around you is the context of this word here. It's, 
grab a hold of the experience of something. Pay attention because if you don't, you just might miss it. Behold. We want to behold today. We want to look around. I look around at all of you. It's worth noting that we're here today, that we're here together, that we're gathered in this building in the name of Christ to glorify Him. It's a good thing. It's something to behold. It's something to notice. And so, but what exactly is he saying that we should behold? What's so important that we should be paying attention to? Yes, the unity of the people of God, but more specifically, what he's really trying to draw our attention to is how good it is and how pleasing it is to dwell together in unity. When the people of God are dwelling together in unity, this verse seems to say, pay attention to how amazing it is to be united together as the people of God, under one banner, under one purpose, under one king. Because it's so easy for us to take this truth for granted, to take this simple truth for granted and not see it for what it really is. So pay attention. Pay attention. We live in a world where there are many who aren't able to gather like this. And I think there are many churches that are much bigger than ours, much bigger than this service, that gather every week and there's no community, there's no unity. Maybe there's strife and there's fighting within the church. Man, we have something that's wonderful. We have something that's beautiful here and we want to pay attention to it and look at why it's so important. Here's a quote from Spurgeon on this verse. It is a wonder seldom seen. Therefore, behold it. Behold it. It may be seen, for it is the characteristic of real saints. Therefore, fail not to inspect it. It is well worthy of admiration. Pause and gaze upon it. It will charm you into imitation. Therefore, note it well. Note it well. It's a good thing. It's a pleasant and enjoyable thing, even just to be able to glimpse and to see God's people gathered together in unity. It's something worthy of inspecting, of pondering upon, and something that we as the real saints, meaning those who are true believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we should demonstrate this unity as God's people. Spurgeon adds this at the end, is that it's, it's so wonderful to see that it's, it inspires and it draws us to imitate it. Imagine that. If we took our unity as God's people so serious, seeing it not only as something that we could take for granted or something that we ourselves seek to enjoy because we want to have unity with one another, but even as an expression that draws people to want to also be a part of that same unity as God's people, that our very act of living in harmony with one another becomes evangelistic. It becomes outreach. That if people, if somebody walked in through the back door before or after service, the way that we commune with one another, the way we do events, the way that we do small groups, the way that we support and lift each other up and edify one another, that this is something that's appealing, that people are drawn to it. They want to emulate it. 
I mean, I believe we can all agree that it's much better to be united than divided, arguing and fighting with one another, usually over trivial matters, creates a very unpleasant experience. I know that happens even here, I imagine. Not often, I hope. But it creates an unpleasant experience. And this is why Jesus gives us instructions on how to deal with conflict. And he takes it very serious, and he really, especially emphasizing the importance of forgiveness, saying, you know, if you can't forgive one another, then how can you expect to be forgiven yourself? You don't understand forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive others. And he gives us these instructions on, hey, if somebody's offended you, if you have a problem with somebody, go and talk to them. Don't talk about them. Don't spread rumors about them. Don't try to destroy their reputation. Go and talk to them. Deal with it. Sort it out. And Jesus even warns that even before you're willing to give into the church, whether that's financially or supporting it or being a part of a small group or whatever it is that you're giving to the church, hey, if there's something that's going on with somebody else that you need to deal with, go and deal with that first. Forgive them. Let it go. Don't hold on to it. Have harmony, have peace, have unity together. Even as Christ has forgiven us, we should go and forgive others. What a great standard of unity that we should aim for today. And David emphasizes this word good and pleasant. Good and pleasant. Now that's important. It's important to note. When we're talking about unity, we want to have both. We want a unity amongst us that is good and pleasant, right? Because there's a lot of things that are very good, but often very unpleasant. Now, some of you are, maybe don't feel this way as I do, but I would put exercise into that category for sure. It's good for me, rarely enjoyed from my side. Or a lot of you are just coming out of a time of intense study. Study is really good, not always that pleasant. Not always enjoyed, but it's a good thing. You have to do it. It's a good thing. You need to do it. Sometimes I feel that way with healthy foods as well. I've got issues, guys. You can pray for me on that. I need to get, get myself in order here. Some things that are good aren't pleasant. And likewise, a lot of things that are very pleasant are not very good. They're not very good for us. I think we can all think of examples of that. For some reason, I just keep going to food. I'm going to put that to the side. It is good and pleasant. We want that kind of unity. We want to be unified and in harmony with one another in a way that is good, that is healthy, that has impact on one another, an impact on our community. That's, that's something that has substance. It's a good thing, but it also is pleasant and enjoyable. It shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be something that we're straining so hard, but something that comes natural. How truly good and pleasant our unity as the people of God is. Now, I want to be clear. My focus today is the unity here as God's people in the church and really getting specific into this service, into our small groups. Obviously, as, our, as all of Calvary Chapel and all of the churches here in Freiburg as well, but I always think that it's really important to start with the local because if you don't have unity with the people in your small group, maybe you should you know, manage that before you start thinking about unity for the church globally. 
Let's manage our own house. I know that Paul tells us in Romans 12, you know, we want to be peaceable with all men, and there's certain, certainly a level to that. We want to be, you know, peaceable, but there is a special emphasis here and a special emphasis in God's word on the importance and the joy, really, of having unity together as the people of God, as the people of God, for us to be at peace with one another, to edify one another, to lift each other up, to never be self-serving or self-seeking in the community of God's people, but to seek the best for one another, to love one another as we ourselves are loved, to dwell together. The verse says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Let's think about that word, dwell. It's easy to be at peace with somebody if you don't see them very often. I know I'm not going to ask for hands, but I, I, I'm sure that if I did, there'd be more than a few of people who were like really fought with their parents growing up. But now that you've moved away, it's like, oh, there's a lot of peace. Yeah, it's a lot easier to have peace when you don't see somebody every single day. Someone who's at a distance. But to dwell with someone together is to test the unity of that relationship. If you've ever lived with anybody for an extended period of time, you have felt the strains at times of the, and the testing of unity with that person. So therefore, how much greater it is, how good a thing, how pleasing a thing to be able to dwell with others in perfect peace and unity as the people of God, as the church today. And this brings it down to us. It brings it down to our community, to this service, to this church, to your small group. Because we are all here for a purpose. No one's here by accident. God brings us together. God draws us to where we are. God is orchestrating the steps of our life, with, whether we see it or feel it or not all the time. It's not an accident that we're all here, that you're in the small group that you're in, that you're in this service here today. There's a purpose in it because we are called to do ministry together. We are called to serve together, to serve God, to serve the people of God, and to serve the city that we're in. We're called to do that. It's our, it's our mission. Now, no doubt, as we serve together, we become close. We're shoulder to shoulder at times. And because we're all very different, our unity then will be tested as we serve and dwell together. There will be times where conflicts emerge. The question is, what are we going to do when that happens? But when our goal and our purpose is the same, we are able to sacrifice our own needs, sacrifice our own desires for the unity of the church. Because there's a purpose, there's a mission that we're trying to accomplish. And we see this image even with the nature of the songs of ascent themselves, right? That these songs were meant to be sung together as they made their way to worship God. To celebrate as God's people. It's a beautiful thing for us to sing together. For us to read God's word together. To fellowship and to support one another. To pray for one another. These are the building blocks of a strong, united community. And what we aim to build here for sure. 
Now, when we think about the unity of the church, I think we have to at least mention the image given to us in the New Testament by Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. You can read through it all. I'm just going to mention it, and that is that we are one body, that we are one body. We're many parts, but one body. We are the body of Christ, each of us having a unique and yet vital part of that body that we then come together to do the work, to do the ministry that we're called to do, to fulfill that purpose of us being called together and ultimately to bring glory to the name of Jesus in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think, everything that we put our hearts and minds and abilities to. And this is important because it tells us then how unity is really possible. How I can look around this room and see people from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds, different sexes, different ethnicities, and say, how can we all be united? What unites us? Well, This is where it becomes clear. And we can think about the other side is how strange it would be for a body to not have unity. How strange would it be for a body to not have unity if my left hand and my right hand could not cooperate no matter what I did. Every time I wanted to try and accomplish anything, my left hand and my right hand would be fighting over who has the right, who has the authority to perform the task, who is really in charge here. This is actually a a real thing for me because I'm actually ambidextrous, so I use both my left and right hand, and it can be a real struggle sometimes when when they fight. No, it's, it's ridiculous to think about our left hand and our right hand fighting. It would be hard to get anything done. Oh, how many churches live this out, always stuck in circles? The body parts arguing with one another about ridiculous things. Now, why doesn't that happen in my physical body? Why doesn't my foot just go rogue and decide, hey, today I'm going over here. I don't know what you're doing. I'm doing my own thing. Because all parts of my body are under control. They're under the control of my mind. The head rules the body. The head rules the body. So if we are the church, and the church is the body of Christ, and Jesus Christ is the head of that body, then every part of that body that is submitted to the control of the head will be in perfect unity with all other parts of the body. It's the only way, the only thing that truly unites us. We often lose sight of this simple fact. And this isn't deep doctrinal stuff, guys. This is a simple truth, and yet we forget it. When we're in conflict with other people, when we become judges of other people or become jealous of people in other positions. We forget this simple fact. We get focused on how this person is more of an eye, or this person is more of a nose, or maybe nosy. This person is more of a hand, this person is more of a mouth, and we can fixate on our differences, but it is our differences that make us beautiful. And it is the head of the body that unites us. No matter what part we are, it is the head of the body that unites us. We submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, and we listen to the voice, the mind of Christ, which is found in his word. 
just as my mind sends out the commands to every part of my body for everything that I want to do. If I want to walk this way or walk that way, whatever I want to do with my body, it is my mind that sends out the signal to tell it what to do. We have the Bible. We have the Word of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the Word, as it says in John 1. The Word became flesh. That is Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about the red letters, if you have a red letter edition, or the quotes of Jesus. I'm talking about every word from Genesis to Revelation is the Word of Jesus. It is the mind of Christ. And we should obey it, listen to it, know it, meditate on it, because it is through our submission to the Word of God that we are, in fact, submitting to the head of the church, to Jesus Christ. This, then, is what unites us together in harmony and joy. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter who I am or where I come from, ah, we are connected to the same head. We're going the same direction. We have the same leader who we trust completely. And the more that we live this kind of unity out in every aspect of church life, fellowship, worship services, evangelism and outreach, day-to-day ministry, support for one another, and so on, the more we live out this kind of unity, the more we can say, as David said, oh, how good, how pleasing, how good, how pleasing, how wonderful it is when the people of God dwell together in unity do ministry in unity. Answer the call in unity. Submit themselves to Christ in unity. David continues on, really only making this one point, but then continues to extravagantly describe just how wonderful it is. Let's follow him. Let's follow his thought here in verse 2. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. So in ancient Middle East, it was really common to anoint one's head with oil. Even we see that in Luke. There's this example of, of uh, if you enter into someone's house, it was even often done as a greeting, an honoring greeting. And this was done to refresh the one receiving the oil. And also, I mean, you know, they were out didn't have deodorant. Uh, so it was pleasant. It, it was a pleasant smell, a fragrance that came through the perfumed oils. So they would feel refreshed, they would look lively, and they would smell nice. And it was honoring. And as God's people, our unity refreshes and makes for a pleasant atmosphere for all. It's pleasant, it's refreshing. Not simply for us, but also, as I said before, for those who look in from the outside, they are refreshed and then drawn in. That's nice. And this oil running down the beard is an image, again, of extravagance. Not just a, not just a drop on the forehead or a little bit. Not, not somebody who's like trying to not use up all their oil, but really just pouring it out in abundance. But not just any kind of extravagance, any kind of abundance, but that of blessing. This is the image of the oil of consecration. 
This is what we get with this idea of, of bringing Aaron into it. It's the oil of consecration, which was used to symbolize separation from evil, right? It was an oil of holiness and righteousness. And this was, this is again, what's meant by the beard of Aaron, which is where the, it was from the house of Aaron that the priests came from. And God intended that the priest were to represent His righteousness, His salvation, His plan, ultimately through Christ later, of salvation. And this was what was meant to be seen by the world, this image of what was to come. And so spiritually speaking, this anointing made that possible. You know, as they were anointed, they were made to represent this righteousness. And unity among God's people has this similar effect of representing the unity that we have with Christ the righteousness that we're given through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The oil itself adds also in this beautiful fragrance, this symbol of agreeable and pleasing nature that unity of, the unity of God's people brings. It's a pleasant thing. If you've ever like, I mean, it's a hot day today. I know many of you are going to go home, take a nice cool shower. You feel refreshed. That's what our unity should feel like. Should be almost sensed in the atmosphere of a room. Ah, oh, it's refreshing. Oh, there's so much turmoil, so much confusion out there in the world. There's unity here. There's focus. Because we are connected to one head. If you walk into a church that's filled with strife and anger and rivalry, it doesn't take long to pick up on it. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And equally, to walk into a church that's filled with godly unity, again, having this central focus of glorifying God together, it is a pleasing experience, a pleasing feeling. And this image of running down, we see again and again. So the oil is running down, running down on the head, running down on the beard, down the garment. It reminds us that it is by God's grace that we are united. That's the other side it is only in our connection to the head that it's possible to be united, but we are only connected to the head by the grace of God. It is God's grace that we are able to even hope to have unity together. The gift of our unity is something that comes from above. It comes from above. As the oil was poured from above. And we would be wise to receive it. We would be wise to receive it. In verse 3, and this is why we see this image in verse 3, it is like the dew of Haman, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now the second description or word picture that David uses shows us that it's not only wonderful, it's not only pleasing, it's not only good to be united as God's people, but as the dew on a mountain, again, in this, or we can kind of imagine this is in an area surrounded by desert and dry land, that our unity as God's people, like that dew, brings life. It brings life. It was said that the dew of this mountain was so heavy that it would even flow down to Jerusalem. And our unity together is life-giving for us and, I believe, experienced and certainly a draw for those outside. 
In a dry climate like this one, this dew offered life and renewal and refreshment and our unity as God's people, especially here in this local church community, in this service, in this church, in your small group, it should be something that refreshes us, that fills us with hope and joy for the week ahead on how we need that. We need the unity of God's people. We're not meant to be on our own. We're not meant to be lone wolves. Our relationship with Jesus is a personal one. He calls us by name. And in that, we are alone in our connection to him. But we are not meant to walk alone through this life. We are meant to be united together as the people of God. And how we need this unity. We need to be refreshed, to be filled with hope. And our church community as we are united together under the head of Jesus Christ, should fill us with life. And life in abundance as the oil was abundantly poured out. Because when we are filled with life, it should be pouring out also into our life around us. Into our relationships and communities outside of this church. We see this extravagantly demonstrated through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right, which fills us with life and hope. And of course, the Holy Spirit is ever-present in our walk with the Lord. He's always there. As soon as we surrender our lives to Christ, actually, I would say even before that in a lot of ways, it is the Holy Spirit who draws us to that decision. And we begin to walk with the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit walking with us. But I don't think it, it's a small thing that we often see this kind of special, these special ways in which the Holy Spirit works in our life when we're gathered together, when we're gathered together in the name of Christ, when we're singing glory to God together, when we're praying for one another together, carrying one another's burdens, supporting one another when we feel weak, and loving one another as Christ has loved us. There's something powerful in it, and the Holy Spirit uses this I would say in a specific and powerful way to refresh us, to encourage us, to build each other up. Because when we build each other up, it is by the Holy Spirit when we speak encouraging words and edifying words to one another. And if we are called to be one body and given the gift of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of life forevermore through our salvation in Jesus Christ, which itself unites us in our common journey and our common destination. And let us begin to practice this unity together. We're all on the same path. We're all heading in the same direction. So let's put away strife, jealousy, bitterness, and put on unity, love, grace, forgiveness, because we need it. We need it. We live in a crazy time. I mean, it's always been crazy. Everybody feels like it's the craziest time in their time. But it's the craziest time that we're in because it's the time that we're in. And we need to be prepared. We need to be building each other up. We need to be ready for what God has planned for us, for what God wants to do through this church. We cannot be divided. We need to support one another. We need to be there for each other. I encourage you to take steps, getting to know one another. I know it's 
been, it's like, what, how do you do that? I don't do, you know, you always have like the awkward, do we do the fist bump? Or are you okay with handshakes? Or how do I, how do I get to know people again? I forgot. Let's really press into that. If you're not in a small group, fill out a welcome card today. Join a small group. Community happens at a deeper level in smaller groups where we can really be dwelling together and open with one another in a vulnerable way. But let's be ready. Let's do this and let's take action. And I want to close now with a quote again from Spurgeon. I've been doing a lot of Spurgeon quotes through this series. And as I uh, read this, I invite the band to start heading back up as we'll close. Oh, for more of this rare virtue. Not the love which comes and goes, but that which dwells. Not that spirit which separates and secludes, but that which dwells together. Not that mind which is all about debate and difference, but that which dwells together in unity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your church, for your plan for the church. A group of people from all different backgrounds that are broken, that are flawed, that make so many mistakes, and yet you unite us under the banner, under the kingship, under the headship of Jesus Christ. And our salvation given to us by the work of the cross molding us and changing us as we walk together by the power and sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, moving ever forward with our hope before us of an eternity with you in peace and unity when sin is removed from our lives. Let us seek to practice unity in its purest form today, despite our sin, despite our faults and our flaws, that we would remember what unites us not what divides us. We belong to Jesus Christ. And we live to glorify him and to serve him together. In Jesus' name, amen.